Good morning. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this to this. What should I call it? <laughs> um, to this easy class. Because <laughs> once we once we get our footing, it will be easy going. Only on that condition. So, welcome to this yet another session on Shantideva's ninth chapter. And as usual, we will sit for a few minutes in quiet meditation, gathering our mind, settling it, and setting a quiet, calm pace for the ensuing session. Sitting quietly and coming home to our breath while we try to breathe naturally. As we breathe naturally, bring our attention to the breath, being aware of it, and in staying aware of the breath, try to do so alertly, attentively, ardently. In other words, bringing these factors of clarity, both from the subject and object, perspective, adding some in, intentional attention to the object, although not by forcing too much, but at the same time not being too relaxed. Find the balance in being with the breath. And see, we could be with the breath, with a sense of delight, with a sense of satisfaction.
du vil nage, hvad du vil, det værdigt felt. Imagining the presence of Manjushri in the space above us, facing us. Think of Manjushri as the personification for the sake of our convenience in relating with the principle. Think of Manjushri as the personification of the wisdom of all the Buddhas. And as you know, just about any quality of the Buddha is not a single stand-alone quality, but it's always integrated with all the other positive qualities at their consummate level of advancement. Thus, this wisdom of the Buddhas that we are seeing in the form of Majushri is as integrated, grounded, rooted, complemented by all other qualities such as love, compassion, bodhicitta, patience, concentration, everything at the level of full consummate blossoming. While we imagine the presence of Manjushri or the wisdoms of all the Buddhas, in the form of Manjushri. Try to call you to mind the role and place of wisdom in our journey full awakening. Let alone full awakening, even in our daily life, how important wisdom is in steering the path Likewise, for our efforts to get out of samsara, wisdom is as important, very crucial. Likewise, even aim for a better rebirth is at the very least the need of the wisdom that can differentiate between what is to be adopted and what is to be discarded correctly. Maybe if you feel comfortable, you can imagine the presence of myriads of Buddhas, Bodhisattvas, surrounding Manjushri in the middle. Arhats, Arya beings, all surrounding them. As we imagine this merit field, let our mind and attention particularly go to their inner qualities. in their created progression from the Aryas to the Arhats to the Bodhisattvas at the higher levels to the full consummate Buddhism, Buddha. 
and let that gradation of progression kind of give us some sense of path, as well as fill us with hope that yes, we can move on this journey step by step. Imagine ourselves being surrounded by fellow sentient beings, without exception, all in human form, again, for the sake of convenience, in relating with them, in taking them along in our visualization, yet at the same time thinking of them going to their own respective general samsara and specific their condition sufferings, miseries, predicaments, limitations. Um, most of us, most of them, most of ourselves included, most of them, are caught in the bondage of uncontrolled birth and death, driven by forces of calm and afflictions, rooted in ignorance. Even those who have gone past that, yet still fall short of becoming fully awakened, they still have cognitive obscurations to deal with, to address. To address. Otherwise, that would come in the way of both realizing their own full aims, aims as well as the aims of others. I'm thinking of sentient beings surrounding us, let our attention particularly go to those in the unfortunate rebirth. How those who are in the higher rebirth temporarily, unless and until we can address the very root of the samsaric existence. We could very easily slip into those unfortunate rebirths. And who knows, once we get in there, how long we'll stay. Because every moment, every course of time in there is not just exhausting the past karma, but also accumulating more. Thinking along these lines generates a strong sense of renunciation for oneself, for oneself as well as the sense of compassion, sense of concern, was all sentient beings, fellow sentient beings, mother sentient beings. With these attitudes within us, both from 
observing ourselves in sentient beings' condition, as well as thinking of the qualities of the Arya beings, the Arhats, the Bodhisattvas, the Buddhas, particularly that of Manjushri, thinking of the symbolism that is embodiment sense. Let's sit for a while holding bodhicitta within ourselves. The aspiration to attain full awakening for the sake of all sentient beings. while holding that attitude of bodhicitta, try to shore it up with what such a state of awakening looks like, how it is possible, given one's condition. What does the path between oneself and the full awakening look like? How would achieving that be of utmost benefit to all sentient beings? At the same time, how would achieving anything short of full awakening be not sufficient in being of complete, full benefit to all sentient beings, in the truest sense of the word. Then most important of them all, Why should I work for all sentient beings? Why do all sentient beings deserve this attention, this concern? this aspiration. as a way of enhancing our motivation for this session, 
one of the Tibetan masters, Jin Lopsung Shijin, in fact, the author of Lama Jiba, the Guru Puja that we recite twice every month, that we perform twice every month. He has said in his text called Tangzin Shakte, which is more like a dialogue between the wisdom, understanding, emptiness. Non conceptually, and the grasping at inherent existence. There's a back and forth dialogue. The format text that he has written very famous. There he says that when it comes to generating sense of disgust, sense of wanting to be away from the suffering of pain. That's something even animals have. There's nothing marvelous about it, generating such a sense of disgust and longing to be free from gross sufferings of pain. Nor does it take meeting with the Dharma to be able to generate that. Then what about the second level of suffering, dukkha, called the dukkha of change, which present themselves in what in worldly terms might we call pleasurable, something deserving to be pursued pleasant pleasures. He says that though animals may not be able to generate any sense of seeing through them and finding faults with them, finding their limitations or not, yet there are several spiritual seekers outside of, even outside of Buddhism outside of Buddhist fold, who see through the deception of these temporary pleasures and develop discussion about them and thus seek a state of freedom from them through deep meditative practices such as stabilizations and absorptions. And thus find themselves in almost very long time, long-standing state of neutral existence, bothered not, neither by cross sufferings of pain, nor that of gross, enticing yet deceiving temporary pleasures, but be able to stay in neutral state for long, as long as they wanted, but still be caught 
deep down in the net of afflictions rooted in ignorance. If as a Buddhist we were to just merely be content with that kind of a state of being, then there's nothing marvelous about it. There's no need to even meet with Dharma. The other ways why which one could attain that. Instead, if one wants to really recognize the Dharma for what it is and be able to make the utmost use of it, a deserving use of it, then one has to start from going past that, at the very least, aim at achieving freedom from the clutches of afflictions by eradicating the ignorance, the root ignorance. And for that, one has to first have the urge to be free from that, to be free from samsara, to be free from this condition of being held captive. in the trap of samsara. But merely being worried and concerned about that is not enough. Unless one finds a way out of it, at least begin by understanding the way, how it works, and see what needs to be addressed to then gain one's release from that. Unless one has such an understanding, merely being concerned about that would be self-defeating with no way out of just plunging oneself into more a state of despair, hopelessness, yet still being concerned about the condition. So that clearly points out how, on top of being concerned about the samsari condition, its limitations, what not, it's also as important, or even more important, to know how samsara works, what the mechanism of samsara looks like, where does the crux lie, and thus be able to identify and understand ignorance being at the root of it. And there again one has to understand what ignorance is, not just be merely carried away by mere notion of it, but be really able to pinpoint it so that whatever efforts, whatever efforts we bring in would actually succeed in succeed in undermining that in uprooting it. In that regard, no other way but to generate the correct wisdom is something we have to uphold. When we call ignorance avidya, avidya, ignorance avidya, not knowing, it's not just not knowing in a simplistic way of knowing nothing, 
but rather not knowing in the sense of completely having it opposite, completely misconstrued it, diametrically opposite to the wisdom. So that's how the wisdom understanding the ultimate reality is very crucial and also be able to see how that wisdom holds the key to really debasing all of the afflictions by addressing the ignorance at the root of them. And towards that end, wisdom must be generated. Of course, with the aid and complementing, complementary qualities of love, compassion, bodhicitta, etc. But without wisdom, none of that will go anywhere in bringing us closer to, let alone full awakening, but even liberation. Thus, let's take joy in this opportunity of studying the ninth chapter on wisdom by Shantideva, which is presently primarily presented from a Bodhisattva's point of view, where the main concern is the well-being of all sentient beings. The two are not, not just a temporary fix, but at least from one's part, one's Sight, achieving all that they can be achieved in the form of full awakening to be of the utmost true benefit to all sentient beings. Let's dedicate our effort in this direction with enthused to be able to do so. And let's see this particular session as a step in that direction. So, as I mentioned earlier, here uh, the whole text by Shantideva is uh, dealing with a Bodhisattva's, the, traje the trajectory of the Bodhisattva's path to full awakening from where they themselves are. And uh, Towards that end, he has, in the first eight chapters, dealt with all the remaining of the paramitas, perfection practices, except for wisdom. And we have seen how, particularly in the eighth, eighth chapter, on the so-called concentration, it was not just on general concentration, but rather concentration, of course, based on shamatha and vipassana, but building up on that in the sense of concentration of the, of course, bodhicitta grounded in this 
cultivation of this big, expansive, open heart of seeing all sentient beings to be equal. And on top of that, generating a strong sense of this longing to be of utmost benefit to them without any discrimination. We have a saying in Tibetan, when it comes to discussing this cultivation of so-called equalizing and exchanging self for others, there what we are trying to do is um, trying to avoid being biased towards sentient beings, but not just stopping there, moving even further, that on the basis of that, generating a sense of caring, loving, and, and kindness that extends to all sentient beings equally, both in thought and action. We have a saying that there is no case of either the thought or the action being either longer or shorter, or reaching some, not reaching others, rather equally, equally uh, reaching out to every sentient being, both in action and thought. So at the very least, in the case of actions, it would be the willingness of the action when needed, when, prop, when possible. But nonetheless, there should be that sense of that uh, willingness, rooted, grounded in this thought of genuinely being of benefit to all sentient beings. So that was the kind of concentration that was spoken of in the 8th chapter, more specifically. So based on that, it is supposed that Bodhisattva says now, or or the author has dealt with, speaking from, looking from the three lens of the three trainings, the, the author has dealt with the training of Sheila, particularly that, of course, Sheila of the Bodhisattvas, but that will not be complete without uh, the base, the foundation of the, of the common Sheila shared by all practitioners of the Buddhist world. And then concentration. So from the lens of th- the three trainings, the two trainings have already been dealt with in great detail. Now the last of the three is the training of the wisdom. And his 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 kind of uh, presenting this wisdom in such a way that uh, that it is so crucial and something indispensable for full awakening, and the place and the role of which cannot be replaced by any other practices, any other practices within the Buddhist Buddhist Bodhisattva's practice even be that their concentration, be that their uh, morality, they have their own place and role uh, to serve as a foundation and a complementary factor, but the role of the wisdom can only be uh, undertaken by wisdom itself, none other than that. And for full awakening, it is a must. So when we speak of that wisdom, something that I mentioned last time also, in the very first session, I think, was that uh, the wisdom of understanding in general, emptiness, we can say that, but in specific, wisdom of understanding selflessness of phenomena, 
not just person. So the wisdom of selflessness of phenomena is something that comes up only comes it that shows up on the radar <laughs> on the Buddhist radar 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 <laughs> uh, only when we speak from the Chitamatra point of view Chitamatra onward. Before then there is not even the mention of anything such such thing as called selflessness of phenomena. All we could hear from a Buddhist perspective is selflessness of person. And that selflessness of person that we hear from the very get-go of our, uh, what do you call, immersing into Buddhist understanding, Buddhist training, uh, is something that's shared all across, all through to the Prasangika Madhimikas. So that understanding, that level of selflessness of person is shared by all of them. And there, the selflessness of a person is the, the selflessness of a person uh, that is talked about a lot, as a and has and is presented as a very viable antidote to our afflictions and our and uh, our journey to becoming awakened and whatnot, awakened and and liber, liberated. There, the selflessness of a person has to do with do with uh, addressing this mistaken notion within us of who we are in relation to our aggregates. We have this innate tendency, innate inclination, disposition to see self as though being in control over our aggregates, whereas the aggregates are seen like the, the subjects over which the I kind of rules over it. It may not be seen as totally outside of the aggregates, or totally uh, different than the uh, aggregates in terms of in terms of their nature, in terms of its nature. At this level of selflessness of person, the person is seen as being equally impermanent, equally uh, with parts, equally being not independent. Yet at the same time, it nonetheless has this, is seen to have this vantage point, vantage status over the aggregates in being in control, whereas the others are all subject to it. So there's still, within that, within that level of oneness in terms of sharing these qualities in common, still there is a slight, slight, uh, what do you call, elevation of the status, if you will, uh, of the person or the aggregates. And in technical terms, we call that seeing, we call that kind of a mistaken notion to be addressed as we, 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 we call that mistaken notion pertaining to the status of the self vis-a-vis the aggregates as grasping at a self-sufficient, substantial self over the aggregates. So that's something shared by all, all the Buddhist tenets, from the Vaibhasika to the Prasangika Madhimika. And So that notion is recognized, identified as 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 
a source of problem and uh, and what is the correct view being advocated is that of selflessness of person in the sense that there is no such self as substantial sufficiently substantial being uh, that has some kind of a control uh, a status of a controller over the aggregates so that notion of selflessness and that identification of the mistaken selfhood notion of mistaken selfhood is something shared across uh, the, the buddhist tenets and that understanding of selflessness is not considered anything wrong but from the chitramatra onward that understanding mere of mere i mean of course there is understanding of impermanence of dukkha nature of empty nature empty not in the emptiness uh, as in prasangi madhimika's understanding but empty in a uh, in a more grosser notion not that there's not none of those understandings there are there is this understandings but these understandings compared with the understanding of selflessness of person kind of are uh, kind of more uh, preliminary rudimentary and uh less significant so but from the chitramatra point chitramatra onward they bring in they bring to the they bring to the table an additional understanding that needs to be developed along the line of selflessness but they call it selflessness of phenomena not selflessness of person because selflessness of person is already already established and uh, understood so for the jita matras when they bring up selflessness of phenomena that is that is while maintaining that is while maintaining that yes understanding of selflessness of person is important and it is crucial for attaining liberation but for attaining full awakening there is a, yet another a uh, level of understanding that needs to be developed because that can then reach further into uh, or deeper uh, obstacles to uh, to to omniscience so in that in that perspective they present selflessness of the so called selflessness of phenomena so at the at the chitamatra level selflessness of person and selflessness of phenomena just as they sound different they are also different in terms of the criteria Uh, in terms of the measurement selflessness as a person is lack the the absence of a self would which is sufficiently substantial having a status of control over aggregates such a self is such a self of a person is not present thus that's what means selflessness of a person when the person when the chitamatra is present bringing this additional notion which they consider is deeper and has the reach and can reach out to even deeper obscurations within us not just the root of ignorance but even deeper in terms of in general they may even call it the latency of the latency of the afflictions and the ignorance not quite the ignorance and the root not quite the afflictions and the and the ignorance themselves but even further settler 
stain that they leave in the form of latency. They may call that by that name as a latency, but what do they give a form to that? Or what, what do they say is the way to address that latency further than, deeper than the affliction and the, and the ignorance um, that causes them? They may call that latency, but in terms of how to deal with that, they present this. They say that the same notion of selflessness in the in the to the effect of seeing a lack of sub, sufficient substantial salvood is not enough. This need of a deeper understanding that needs to be developed, and they propose that. On the surface, they call it selflessness of phenomena, but what it actually is, because they have to spell it out, mere level is not enough. So they have to spell it out, and they, they do so by saying everything is mental projection with no external reality of their own. Everything is but mental projection. So that goes further than seeing just the lack of selfhood on a person. That's clear, right? That's very important to understand that. And now, so that's why for the Bodhisattvas, on top of understanding selflessness of person, from a Siddhamatra point of view, they have to, no other way, but to have to understand selflessness of phenomena, so that by cultivating wisdom into it, and standing that wisdom, that wisdom can then reach further than the root of affliction further than the root of affliction in the form of ignorance and the yeah, ignorance, but even further than that, they can reach and address, dig out, deal with uh, the subtle latency of the ignorance. So that's how bodhisattvas, those pursuing the bodhisattva path and those pursuing the uh, individual liberation path, ends up having even a different what do you call it? different theme to focus, different theme for the wisdom to be cultivated in terms of the major significant main main focus. They differ in the main focus or the main object of meditation. That is and this this way of if we if we can say this way of making the Chitramatas come up propose this additional thing <laughs> making who made it? Maybe Buddha did it. <laughs> Making the Siddhamatas present this additional thing on the plate is a way to train eventually to further refine this so-called selflessness of phenomena, both in terms of what it constitutes and and also uh, also identifying kind of uh, fine-tuning or honing up our understanding of, of, of pinpointing the, the 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 problem within us, the 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 the, the obscuration within us that keeps us uh, from uh, that that comes in the way of our achieving full awakening. It's a means. It's it's it. There is a skillful means reflected there. So they they start out with this proposition, but the content is is 
it doesn't go that far. And then the the Mademikas, they present the Mademika, the the, the Swatantraka Mademika agrees with the selflessness of person as everybody else. And then in terms of selflessness of phenomena, the, the Swatantraka Mademikas do not necessarily fully agree with the Chittamatras. A subsection of the Swatantrika Madhimika called the Yogacara Swatantrika Madhimika, just from the name you can see how it has a Yogacara leaning, they buy into this proposition by the Chittamatras. What they propose as selflessness of phenomena, they also accept it. But then they don't stop at that. They even propose a, a even a subtler theme or subtler reality under the same name of selflessness of phenomena. And thus they they call they they, they put the Chitramatra's proposition of everything being mentally projected with no external reality outside of the mind on a second class level of the Selflessness of person, selflessness of phenomena. Sorry. And what do they present? Additionally, in addition to that, they say yes. Things may be seen in the light of being merely mentally projected, and that goes its length of dealing with the obscurations within us but the obscurations to full awakening will not be exhaustively dealt just by that. There's a need of seeing even deeper the reality, and that they present as the the Sotantra Madhimika's uh, take on a deeper level of selflessness of phenomena, which they say that things Things lack ultimate existence, perfect existence, true existence. I'm not can, can satisfied with these words, but I don't have any other means but to say that. Mm. Anyway, they do point to a deeper level of uh, reality, saying that things, because at the Chittamatra level, as much as they say, Everything outside there is only outside there for the show, but in reality, they are just mere mental projections. They are even in the nature of the mind, in that if we were to be able to really withdraw our mental consciousness, everything would be withdrawn with it. Nothing would be left outside of it. Right? So, so even while saying that, Chittamatras stick to their position that just about anything there is, even in the form of in the in 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 the form of being in the nature of a mind, nonetheless, so long as they exist, at least the functional things, compounded things, they exist truly. They exist truly, they exist ultimately, they exist uh, what was the other word? Perfectly? I don't know. <laughs> the, the the English uh, equivalence. Pardon? Not quite inherent, 
I'm I'm deliberately I'm deliberately uh, avoiding them. Inherent existence, intrinsic existence, existing in and of themselves, they still reserve it. They still hold that it's true, but not truly existent, not ultimately existent, not perfectly existent. Independent. Independent is quite tricky because it could expand, extend to both categories. Rawanki Tupa. Uh, so Rangitsinyi Gutuba will be one thing. Uh, existing by their own characteristics is something uh, even the Sautantra Matemikas uh, advocate. But not intrinsic, inherent. they're not quite there to, to critique inherent existence. They're not quite there to critique uh, poke hole into in intrinsic existence. Without intrinsic existence, they would not be able to really uh, sustain or really uphold anything. They, they are not quite there. So you see a furthering, honing up of the wisdom in, in, in understanding into the nature of reality, which has its corresponding impact on how we succeed in digging dig deeper into our, into our, into our mess. <laughs> into our mess. So if we could not dig deep enough, there would be a mess left there. Because of that, whatever we achieve, we would be achieving it without being free from that mess. <laughs> That's the idea there. So we have to be able to dig deeper. And digging deeper is only possible if we could see deeper the mess inside. So that's the idea here. So the Sotanaka Madhimika say that, uh, so they, 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 they differ from the Chitramatvas by saying that anything compounded phenomena that exists must necessarily have to be truly existent, perfectly existent, ultimately existent. And so, or, 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 or the other word is absolute existence. But these words do not mean anything unless we, because some, sometimes we may not agree with the uses of the words themselves also because of uh, their being, uh, what do you call, embedded with other connotations. But nonetheless, they say that any compounded phenomena, unlike the Chitamatin's position, lack true existence, lack, lack uh, ultimate existence, lack absolute existence. By that, what they mean is they lack absolute existence because they need the help of the mind halfway through it. Yes, they can bring in their own contribution, but that's not enough. They have to be supported or complemented by the wisdom or by the mind to, to make them viable. So that's why they say it's not absolute existence, it's not ultimate existence, it is not uh, yeah, true existence because you still uh, are dependent on a role played by the mind in, in constituting you. Whereas Prasangay Madhimikas, just a spoiler here, says that no, it's totally the mind. But not quite in the same way as Chitamatras say. They do not go there by saying that, that, that the mind corresponding, that the object corresponding with the mind, they kind of come together simultaneously. Right, uh, and that, that it is just in the nature of the mind because of it being an activation of your disposition left by previous mind. They, they do not go there. Uh, yet at the same time, they have this gut in saying there's nothing, there's nothing 
even the slightest change existing existing from the side of the object it's fully totally dependent on designation on the mind so you can see how the sotantika marimekas are not quite there they still say it's not fully it's not fully the objects that that can that's not fully the objects that can uh, that can that that is capable of what do you call it? that's not fully the object that is capable of producing itself it needs to be aided by the consciousness yet at the same time it's not fully consciousness that can completely uh, uh, what do you call give rise to the object it has to be half and half 50-50 and we can see how as we progress along this there is this intended what do you call as intended uh, scheme here in kind of leading us in in first identifying ourselves in where we are and then kind of uh, making kind of nudging us to then push further uh, further along so the sotantika madhyamikas they propose this at another level of selflessness of phenomena still they maintain say the yogacara sotantika madhyamika they maintain the yogacaras or the citamatras proposition of the selflessness of phenomena they say this fine that also has its role in affecting our conditions in dealing with our afflictions but that itself is not enough not afflictions the stains the latencies the stains of the afflictions as a means to attaining full awakening there's this need of yet another further deeper understanding that can reach deeper into the mess of our afflictions in the form of latencies and for that they propose this more subtler from their perspective more subtler uh, notion of selflessness phenomena so at the so we have chitramatra being the first to propose to bring to table this additional thing of selflessness of phenomena and then the sotantrika yogacara sotantrika madhyamika bringing in maintaining that and bringing in at yet another level of selflessness of phenomena and they call the two one subtler and the other gross but nonetheless selflessness of phenomena the notion of selfless phenomena and both of them are both of them are uh, employed or both, both of them are cultivated and, and developed and both of these understandings are cultivated developed integrated as a means not just to address the afflictions because of their capability of addressing even deeper obscurations within us their capability of dealing with the grosser grosser afflictions within us is 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 there but the main purpose of bringing this on the table is to deal with the obscurations in the way of awakening in the way of full awakening so that's that much is clear right just as the saying says are you with me we are walking in the in the wood <laughs> oh am i walking too fast 
Oh, why am I jogging? <laughs> we have to come along. Otherwise, that's no purpose. That so much is clear, I think. This is very essential. That's the reason why I'm not pushing forward. Yes. Who said that there must be 50-50 participation from the mind and the object for the object to exist? Which, yeah. which school? Safely, safely, it is the Tantrika Madhimika. So that's something shared by both the subsects of Tantrika Madhimika, Yogacara and Tantrika Swatantrika Madhimika. But has, right now, I just came from Chitamatra, and then within the Madhimika, I said, Tantrika Yogacara leaning, right? The one, not quite the Prasangika Madhimika, it's okay, let, let me take that back. <laughs> we dealt with Chitta Madra. Now, in terms of philosophical school, all we have left with, left, we are left with is Madhimika, right? But we, but we are not taking the Madhimika as a whole together. In the next step, we are taking the Swatantrika Madhimika, leaving Prasangika Madhimika aside, we're taking Swatantrika Madhimika. But because we started from Chitta Madra, I wanted to take within the Swatantrika Madhimika, the subsect of Yogacara Swatantrika Madhimika first, which we have done now, seeing they ended up having not just selfness as a person, right, the notion of selfness as a person, but selfness as a phenomena. But in, in the selfness of phenomena, ended up with two takes, one subtle, one gross, right? Now, we are, once we have dealt with it, now the other part, the other, other camp, Sautantrika, uh, Swatantrika, right? Because, right? It is right. Because Madhimikas are divided into Swatantrika, Madhimika, and Prasangika, Madhimika. We leave the Prasangika, Madhimika aside. Now we take the Swatantrika, Madhimika. That has two subsections. One is Yogacara, Swatantrika, Madhimika. Other one is Sautantrika, Swatantrika. Watch my lips. <laughs> So tantrika, swa tantrika, madhimika. Okay, yeah. So once, so we have dealt with the yogacharas, so tantrika, madhimika. Once we have dealt with it, now this next camp, that of so tantrika, swa tantrika, madhimika, is easy. What they say that they, 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 ex, they agree with the yogacharas, swa tantrika, madhimika, in their proposing this additional subtler selfness of the phenomena, and they agree and accept it, they buy into it in total. Except, they say, we differ with the Yogacara Swatantrika Madhimika in still keeping the so-called gross selfness of the phenomena. They are trashing it. They're saying that's no good. <laughs> that's no good. Of course, that can be helpful, but that's uh, not, 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 not needed. Not needed. So, so they trash it. So, so this Swatantrika, Swatantrika Madhimika still proposes selflessness of phenomena, selflessness of person, except selflessness of phenomena, they only have one version. That of the, what, that, that of what was the, what would be the subtler Selfness of phenomena in the Yogacara Swatantrika Madhimika, right? 
So they do not have to call it subtle because they only have one notion of selflessness of phenomena, right? When the devil is Gunga, are you with me? So, yes. Any any question? Okay. So yes. Um, given the delicacy and the subtlety of what we're talking about, something that can be very helpful is to make a chart to go through. No, for us, that's incumbent on us to go through tenants and make a chart of what each um, of these tenant schools propose for their gross and subtle selflessness of person and gross and subtle selflessness of phenomena so that we can begin to build that template in our own mind yes. so that when you say the words, there's something for it. Yeah, to that's very important. And I think in some of the works of Jeffrey, he has, he has done that. He has done that. Uh, yes, I think when the Lamsel has a question. When you say you use the words for um, mind only, that things are just mere projections of the mind, whereas um, my understanding was that mind only still says that there are objects that exist that aren't mind. They, the objects aren't mind, like my body is not mind. Um, but when I say if, if it's, it's just a mere projection of mind, it kind of sounds like it's just mind. Um, whereas I don't, my uh, maybe I'm confused. But I thought like you know the my body arises at the, as a, at the same time as my mind, but it's not mind. Mm -hmm. Or can you elaborate more on why you use that? Like everything's just a projection of the mind, and whether they whether the mind only asserts that all things are mind. Yeah. We have to be always we have to always remember language and concepts as useful as they are. They have their own limitations with them. So I'm putting the blame on the language and conception, not on me. <laughs> now I feel a little lighter. Oh, okay, <laughs> so you are very right. When I, if, if if that's what it connotes, then that's not what I meant. Uh, in that, when I say things are mere projections, I wanted to use some different term than designation, which could be even more confusing if I use this in the Sitamatra context. But then you would mix with Prasangika Madhavika. So I'm just using another way of what what's mind relationship is to the object from a Chitamata point of view. So I'm saying projection. And but that is not to say that the objects are mind. Uh, yet at the same time if it is leaning towards that, and that's also good. Because the objects may not be mind, but what they are made of is the disposition, the latencies of a previous mind, a disposition left by previous mind. So they may not be the mind in in the same time with them. But they are fundamentally almost like a substance of the mind, of a previous mind left a disposition, legendary, which then is activated in this two form of a mind seeing it, the object being seen. So it is not totally, totally saying 
exactly it is the mind. At the same time, it's not saying it's not it's not completely separate from the mind. So so by 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 projection, I meant something different than designation, but not quite the projection in the way it seems to be. It seems to con convey to you it's just being mind itself is not. The Tichitamatras, in this respect, Tichitamatras are a little different from the from the Western idealists. I mean, not that I know much, but I have had some exposure to this uh, in translating a Western idealism book into Tibetan. So they seem to take it even further. They seem to be even more more uh, idealist. Siddhamatras say the, the, the form is form, the part is part. They do not say the part is mind. The part is part. The mind that is seeing it is the mind. And yet at the same time, the subject and object, which are different, subject, the subject is the mind, the object is a physical thing, in the case of a cup or a pot. They are not of different nature. Different nature in the sense that they are not of they're not made of different substance. They are made from the same substance left by a previous mind, previous mind, same substance in the form of latency left by a previous mind. So in that respect, it is closer to being mind, but not quite mind while they exist. Yeah? So do we understand it as the mind is uh, exist truly for the Chittamadra? my body exists as the nature of the mind. So it's not mine, and it does not exist truly, but it exists as the nature of the mind. That too exists truly. Anything compounded phenomena exists truly, period. Okay. Yeah, the subject is truly, the object is existing truly, but in terms of how that subject come about, it says that it's an activation. It comes about simultaneously with its corresponding subjective agent, and it comes from the same substance of a presupposition left by a previous mind. But both of them are truly existent. Okay, now that said, let's move. Uh, that said, the Prasangika Madhya, no, no, let's, first we have to deal with uh, Sautantrika, Sautantrika Madhimika. There, it, this, they, they, they keep the, they keep the subtle notion, subtler notion of selflessness of phenomena as proposed by the Yogacara Sautantrika Madhimika and do not keep the Chitramatra's notion at all. And thus, there's no question of its being even a selflessness a notion of selflessness phenomena. But both of them, both, both of these subsections within Sautantra Madhimika share the same notion of selflessness of phenomena. And there, they do not go far in negating objectivity. They keep half objectivity. They say things are, object, things are half objective, half subjective, right? So half subjective, half objective, in the sense that it's not totally from their side that they, that they become what they have become. They are partly dependent on a designating mind 
yeah in the in the so in the Madhyamika, both in the Sautantrika and Chit Prasanga Madhyamika, it is compatible to use the term designation. They do say yes, they are designated, but not thoroughly enough. Things are designated, partly designated, partly objective, and that makes the things viable the way they are. Now, now the ground is set for Prasangang Mahadimeka to jump in and say, make the distant difference. Say, okay, so far I've heard you. I have something to propose. <laughs> so it says that, yes, I totally agree. Selflessness of phenomena. What you, what you, what you, what, what, what my colleagues in the Swatantika Mahadimeka camp are proposing as selflessness of phenomena on top of selflessness of person is totally fine with me, but the content of it is not quite what I agree with you. <laughs> the Prasangang Mahatma says that the problem with me, the problem with me at, in, in your proposition of perhaps, uh, selflessness of phenomena is that you're still keeping some objectivity. And that's problematic. So long as you keep some objectivity, that that itself is uh, viable enough to give rise to afflictions. So you're not going far. So if it gives rise to afflictions, there's no question that it gives rise to the latencies of afflictions, and it cannot it cannot deal thoroughly with the latencies of the afflictions, the imprints of the afflictions, and thus. Thus, attaining full awakening by by primarily using that as the wisdom, attacking the affliction, attacking the the subtle stains of affliction, is not uh, not effective. Not not uh, yeah. Not not effective. Not uh, fully effective. Yeah. So they say. One has to let go of any any iota, any degree of objectivity, thoroughly. Objectivity-wise, there's not the slightest tinge. Things do not exist, even slightly, even 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 a slightest slight bit, from their from their side. It's and that's why the whole the whole what do you call it? the whole. Uh, Charge, if you will, the whole charge, the whole um, power, if you will, shifts to the mind, but not quite mind as in Chitramatra, but saying it's merely the mind's projection, mind's mind. Sorry, I take back projection. Mind's designation. That's how things exist the way they are, even their functionality, their operationality. They're being capable of what they are able to distinctly from others is thoroughly, purely by virtue of its being designated that way, with not the slightest iota of any objectivity. Right? So they so that wisdom of understanding selfness as a phenomena is what is spoken of as uh, the main topic in the ninth chapter.
and 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 for that kind of a wisdom to be developed so that it can be a viable antidote against any level any layer of latencies and afflictions to 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 deal with such a wisdom is crucial indispensable and all the other practices talked about in the previous chapters are all geared towards generating sustaining and strengthening this wisdom now there is only one thing i need to bring up since i've already brought this is one thing to bring up now with regard then that has to do with selflessness of person as we said earlier selflessness of person is what all throughout presented what is presented by presented at the by basical level it's the same it stands the same right now there's this change in the prasangika madhyamika prasangika madhyamika says what i'm proposing as selflessness of phenomena is as true with this person also is is as true with the person as with all the other phenomena in the case of chitramatra and in the case of swatantrika madhyamika both yogachara swatantrika madhyamika irrespective in the case of chitramatra and in the case of, in the case of swatantrika madhyamika what they are bringing what they are bringing forth as selfless phenomena is a deeper notion of how things exist and that is applicable to all things irrespective right they are, it is applicable to all things even person but they are not calling that when it is applied to the person they are not calling that as a selflessness of person so when we say 50 50 They said the fifty-fifty way of existing, fifty-fifty way of contributing for things to exist and be functional is as applicable to person as to all the rest of the phenomena. So the person could be also seen as half and half contributed, as other phenomena are. But that notion, that that notion, that that nature or that notion of being 50-50 produced both on person and all the rest of the phenomena are equally called in selflessness of phenomena and by selflessness of person is the same as all the rest are agreeing now the prasangikas differ they keep the selflessness of person notion as accepted by all of them except they call that gross selflessness of person now what will be the subtle that a person does not exist inherently person earlier the selflessness of the person was person has a slight advantage point vantage point over aggregates in being almost in a controller situation but now he, on top of that what the prasangika is saying that a person also is merely designated with not the slightest tinge of any 
objective existence on its own. And that notion, that status of existing, a settler level of existing, on the person is called selflessness of person, except it is called the subtle selfness of the person, self-settle, subtle selfness of the person, and they reserve the notion of thorough designation with not the slightest tinge of any objectivity on the rest of the phenomena. They call that the selflessness of phenomena. So selflessness of phenomena and selflessness of person at that level is only a, only a matter of what base you are talking of. The criteria is the same. Is that, did that become clear? Uh, <laughs> pardon? Getting there. No, no, no. Um, uh, yeah. As far as getting clear, is it okay? So, yeah, what I'm saying, I will push, I will stay. <laughs> what I'm saying is, so far, we understood that there's just one notion of selfness as a person, right? All across. Shared all by all the four standard systems, and there's no subtlety in the notion. And that is the notion of self having a vantage point over the aggregates in being almost like a controller over the subjects. But staying within this, within this perimeter, within this perimeter of saying that the, nonetheless the person and the aggregates share in the same nature of being impermanent, dependent, with parts, not going really off mark, right? So, so that's the selflessness of selflessness of person. The notion of selflessness of a person shared by all. Now, when the Chittamatra and the Sautantra Madhyamika brought on table, brought additional notion of selflessness of phenomena, they, they only came up with a, a subtler notion of how things exist. But they didn't divide it up, or they, they didn't speak of that in terms of what it has as the basis. It says it's applicable to everything. So by phenomena, selflessness of phenomena, that meant only a subtler perspective of how things exist. It is speak to whether it is a person or phenomena. Right? Okay. Now, the Prasangika Mathemikas, they keep, they keep the, the, they keep the level of selflessness of phenomena as proposed by Chitamatra and kept by Chitamatra and Sautantika Madhimika, except the content is changed. In the, in the, form, in the case of Prasangika Madhimika, they say selflessness of phenomena means phenomena lacks even the slightest tinge of objective reality. It is 100% due to designation. Right? But they say that, but they say that that reality is equally shared by all the phenomena, irrespective whether it's a person or non-person phenomena. Except they care, they care to divide this, divide this up, selflessness of phenomena, divide this up into two categories, called selflessness of phenomena and selflessness of person. When it comes to the person, they call it selflessness of person. So, at the, and this selflessness of person is 
something unique to the Prasangika Madhimika, not shared by the others, and they call that, they put a tag on it to, to show their uniqueness by saying, this is the subtle selfness of the person. And for the phenomena, that would be the subtle selfness of the phenomena, except there, there is no, no alternative, no other level of selfness of phenomena. So they do not need to call it the subtle selflessness of phenomena. But when it comes to speaking of selflessness of person, they have to make this distinction between self, subtle selflessness of person and, and grosser, gross selflessness of person. Because what has been accepted commonly ends up becoming a grosser take on the nature of person in relation in in, in, in this relation with the aggregates. And beyond that, they speak of the person being utterly, merely contingent on others to the point of being just merely designated with not the slightest tinge of any objectivity. And they call it subtle selflessness of person. So the change is from the Chitramatra and the Sautantrika to the Madhyamika, to the Prasangika Madhyamika is in regard to the label of selflessness of phenomena, they all accept, except the Chitramatra and Sautantrika Madhyamika apply it to every phenomena, including person, and do not call it anything different than selflessness of phenomena, even on the person. But Prasangika Madhyamika, they care about it. They say, Yes, this subtle notion of things being merely designated with not the slightest tinge of any objective reality, when you think of it, when you talk of it on phenomena other than person, that becomes selflessness of phenomena. When you talk of that on person, actually on I and my, on I and mine, then it becomes subtle selflessness of person. And thus bringing yet another layer of selflessness of person there, subtle and gross. The gross one is what is... A, a, and the reason for that is, for the Prasanga Madhimika, they say, even if you want to work on your afflictions, to be able to work on it thoroughly, you should be really able to uh, address the, the, the source of afflictions. What do you call source of in afflictions uh, exactly, correctly. Uh, and the, even afflictions, let alone the, set, the subtler stains, subtler dispositions of afflictions, even afflictions cannot be totally eradicated unless their source in this grasping at inherent existence, be that of the person or the phenomena, is addressed. That's, that's the reason be, behind bringing this subtler notion of reality, because it's not how things exi actually exist in a more subtler way than seen by the, the other proponents of the tenets, but that is how within us such a grasping, clinging, still keeps, leaves uh, traces of afflictions within us. Not just traces, it keeps the hold of afflictions on us. Yes. Usually my understanding is all the schools have a cause and a subtle selflessness of person. Pardon? 
all the schools have a cause and subtle selflessness of person. They just put it like I know, I know where you are going. <laughs> I'm confused that you're saying that they don't. They just have one selflessness of person for the other schools. Is we could speak. Is it in different? Then I, I just no, no, no. I, I'll, I'll, I'll share. It. I mean, is that? Uh, I, I think. Uh, do, do you want to explain yourself? Uh, how, from what perspective you are saying it has settled and gross? Uh, so maybe I'm understanding it very simplistic, but like in my mind, the, mm -hmm. every school has cause and selflessness of person. So the cause self. No, no, course. Course. Course selflessness of person for all the other school other than Prasangika is permanent, independent. That's the cause, and then. The the substantially exists. Yeah, Some, I understand. Everybody. Okay, but, that's that's important to address. Yeah, I I deliberately kept it away, but also did that very clearly by saying here, in the notion of the selflessness of person being shared by them, what it is getting at is at our notion of self being at a vantage point over the afflictions, by being almost in the position of a controller, but not quite wayward in seeing it to be totally different in the nature. I said that. It still sees the person as being of the same nature of impermanence, independence, and with parts. So that's why I didn't speak of uh, gross and subtle level or for the selflessness of person for the other schools. One, because it is not that popular. Yeah, that this way of this, this, this distinguishing. Another, it would end up end up speaking of three tiers of selfless of the person in Prasangika Matemika. Yeah, because in terms of self being not permanent, self being not depend not independent, self being not partless, nobody has a problem. Even the Prasangika Matas, nobody has a problem. And that is like the very very basic criteria for uh, for qualifying to be a Buddhist tenet. To be, and, yeah, right? Because that's what non-Buddhists in India, non-Buddhists see person to be. Atma is different from the aggregates, and Atma is permanent is independent of the aggregates, and it is uh, partless. But except for a very small sub-school of Buddhist, Buddhist, Buddhist tenet holder, all the rest have no problem with it. They have no problem in denying it. And that is not even deservedly being called or recognized as any layer of a selflessness of person. One. Another thing is such a notion, such a mistaken notion of person as being permanent, independent, and like, and uh, part, partless, it is very gross, too gross, that it cannot produce any innate, it cannot produce any innate notion of it. There is no innate notion of it. It is always acquired. 
it's always acquired. One would have to learn again when one is born, one learn again when one is born, and animals don't have it. But these other two, the other two so, notion of selfhood, mistaken selfhood, is what, we, what animals share with us. Other two means the one that is accepted by all, and then the one being additionally proposed by, presented by the Sangha Madhimika. Both of them, animals have them. Yeah, but, but if you want to be very specific, kind of speaking of this notion of selflessness as uh, other than this and this, then yes, we can have three, three versions of it to talk about, to sort through. Yeah, but that's not that popular, not that commonly used term. It's kind of an understood. Otherwise, as I said, there's nothing wrong, but usually we, we, we do not speak of three tiers of selflessness of person in the Prasangik Madhimikas. And we always refer to the selflessness of person as understood by all of them, as shared by all of them, as the gross selflessness of person. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. To clarify the, maybe I'll ask it this way: Do the prasangika accept from the tantrika their notion of selflessness of phenomena as a gross thing, or do they just not accept it at all? They cannot accept it. Cannot. Fifty percent. Fifty percent on the objective side is not acceptable. I see. Let alone fifty percent, not not a teeny tiny fraction of it. <laughs> Okay. My other question is also short. So yeah. for Prasangika, when everything is, all objectivity is negated, essentially, does that include, how do they deal with characteristics? Are there some of the characteristics of things that are conventionally there, like fire is hot? Oh, yeah, yeah. We will be, now, now that I've laid the ground, we'll be then sliding into that same debate. Yeah, later it will come there. Yeah. This one uh, following her. So the three notions of selflessness of phenomena are mutually exclusive. No, 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 not phenomena. No, no. I'm following from her because uh, the three notions of selflessness of phenomena, I the Tita Madras, Tantika, and Prasanna, I see. Okay. are mutually exclusive. That's what I'm hearing. Yes. Yes. Okay. They're mutually exclusive in terms of, okay, yeah, mutually exclusive. I agree. <laughs> By the way, Venerable Tarpa raised a very important question. In regard to that, I have something to share from Tsongkhapa's illumination of the intent. Here, Tsongkhapa says, I have offered these explanations here, which means an explanation of the take of the I've offered these explanations here, seeing that the eyes of people today will come to be excellently opened to the view, if to the view of the Prasangika Madhimikas. But he is saying he has offered this explanation from the Sautantrika Madhimika, as the explanation of the view from the Sautantrika Madhimika, for the purpose that their eyes of uh, will be oh, uh, will come to be excellently open to the view as understood by the Prasangika Madhimika. Because 
If they are first well led through the identification of what constitutes true existence and what constitutes grasping at true existence according to this system of Swatantrika Madhimika, what will happen, including a brief introduction of their reasoning negating it? They propose what would be what would constitute a gross notion of uh, what would constitute a notion of uh, notion of uh, emptiness uh, and and what would be grasping at the opposite notion of it, and they kind of reject that, negate that. They go. So let me read it. I have offered these explanations here, seeing that the eyes of the people today will come to be excellently, excellently open in the sense that it will help in really dealing with the nuances of it and then bringing in that needs to be brought, taking out, so that one begins to fine-tune and hone up the understanding. So the, in that regard, the Sautantrika Madhyamika presentation is very helpful. It says, I have offered these explanations here of the uh, seeing that the eyes of the people today will come to be excellently open to the view as understood by the Prasangya If they are first well led through the identification of what constitutes true existence and what constitutes grasping at true existence according to this Sautantrika Madhyamika system, including a brief introduction to their reasoning negating them, and are then presented with the Prasangika Madhyamika system. And he goes on to say that personally, Tsongkhapa says, personally, in Konkonapsil, in the illumination of intent, personally, I see the Swatantrika standpoint to be an example of great skillful means to help guide those who are, all, I mean, I'm myself included, I don't know ever you, who are for the time being not capable of easily Easily, that we can all understand, right? Easily, easily realizing the extremely subtle view of suchness. So that ties in very well with what you propose. But in terms of keeping it, they do not keep it. They, they trash it. They say, no, 50% of objectivity is too much. Even 1% or fraction of it is a problem for me. <laughs> okay. So I think we have laid the ground for it. And I Think. And then uh, we can then, yeah, I didn't care to move, not that I didn't come prepared, I did. I even have three, four um, stanzas uh, allotted for today. But I said, first, we have to take time in explaining this clearly. Okay. <laughs>